Welcome to the doctrine of justification by faith through the imputation of the righteousness of Christ, explained, confirmed, and vindicated by Dr. John Owen. We will be continuing to read from page 135 for this reading. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts are on the web at www.swrb.com. Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Spurgeon. As the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone, Give yourselves to reading. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Renounce as much as you will all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works, especially the Puritanic writers and expositions of the Bible. The best way for you to spend your leisure is to be either reading or praying. And now, to SWRB's reading of the doctrine of justification by faith through the imputation of the righteousness of Christ, explained, confirmed, and vindicated, which we hope you will find to be a great blessing, and which we pray draws you nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ. For He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come unto the Father but by Him. John 14, verse 6. Number 2. Imputation may justly ensue ex voluntaria spontion, when one freely and willingly undertakes to answer for another. An illustrious instance hereof we have in the passage of the Apostle unto Philemon in behalf of Onesimus, verse 18. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, tau ta emoi in lage, impute it unto me, put it on my account. He supposes that Philemon might have a double action against Onesimus. Parenthesis number one, injuriarum, of wrongs, a de ti, a dicese, se. If he hath dealt unjustly with thee, or by thee, if he hath so wronged thee as to render himself obnoxious unto punishment. Parenthesis number two, damni, or loss of, he afele, if he oweth thee aught, be a debtor unto thee which made him liable to payment or restitution. In this state, the apostle interposes himself by a voluntary sponsion to undertake for Onesimus. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. Ego apatiso. I, Paul, will answer for the whole. And this he did by the transcription of both the debts of Onesimus unto himself. For the crime was of that nature, as might be taken away by compurgation, being not capital. And the imputation of them unto him was made just by his voluntary undertaking of them. Account me, he says, the person that has done these things, and I will make satisfaction, so that nothing be charged on Onesimus. So Judah voluntarily undertook unto Jacob for the safety of Benjamin and obliged himself unto perpetual guilt in case of failure, 
Genesis chapter 43, verse 9. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him, if I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee. Non-English words. I will sin, or be a sinner before thee always. Be guilty, and, as we say, bear the blame. So he expresses himself again unto Joseph. Chapter 44, verse 32. It seems this is the nature and office of a surety. What he undertakes for is justly to be required at his hand, if he had been originally and personally concerned in it. And this voluntary sponsion was one ground of the imputation of our sin unto Christ. He took on him the person of the whole church that had sinned, to answer for what they had done against God and the law. Hence, that imputation was, non-English words, it had its foundation in his voluntary undertaking. But, on supposition hereof, it was actually ex justitia, it being righteous, that he should answer for it and make good what he had so undertaken, the glory of God's righteousness and holiness being greatly concerned herein. Number three, there is an imputation, ex injuria, when that is laid unto the charge of any whereof he is not guilty. So Bathsheba says unto David, It shall come to pass, that when my lord the king shall sleep with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon shall be, non-English word, sinners. First Kings chapter 1 verse 21 Shall be dealt with as offenders, as guilty persons have sin imputed unto us, on one pretense or another, unto our destruction. We shall be sinners, be esteemed so, and be dealt with accordingly. We may see that in the phrase of the scripture, the denomination of sinners follows the imputation as well as the intention of sin, which will give light unto the place of the apostle. He was made sin for us. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This kind of imputation has no place in the judgment of God. It is far from Him that the righteous should be as the wicked. Number four. There is an imputation, ex Maria Gratia, of mere grace and favor. And this is when that which antecedently unto this imputation was no ways ours, not an heir in us, not performed by us, which we had no right nor title unto, is granted unto us, made ours, so as that we are judged of and dealt with according unto it. This is that imputation in both branches of it, negative in the non-imputation of sin and positive in the imputation of righteousness, which the apostle so vehemently pleads for and so frequently asserts. Romans chapter 4. For he both affirms the thing itself and declares that it is of mere grace, without respect unto anything within ourselves. And if this kind of imputation cannot be fully exemplified in any other instance, but this alone whereof we treat, it is because the foundation of it, the mediation of Christ, is singular, and that which there is nothing to parallel in any other case among men. From what has been discoursed concerning the nature and grounds of imputation, sundry things 
are made evident, which contribute much light unto the truth which we plead for, at least unto the right understanding and stating of the matter under debate. As, number one, the difference is plain between the imputation of any works of our own unto us and the imputation of the righteousness of faith without works. For the imputation of works unto us, be they what they will, be it faith itself as a work of obedience in us, is the imputation of that which was ours before such imputation. But the imputation of the righteousness of faith, or the righteousness of of God, which is by faith, is the imputation of that which is made ours by virtue of that imputation. And these two imputations differ in their whole kind. The one is a judging of that to be in us, which indeed is so, and is ours before that judgment be passed concerning it. The other is a communication of that unto us, which before was not ours. And no man can make sense of the apostles' discourse. That is, he cannot understand anything of it. If he acknowledge not that the righteousness he treats of is made ours by imputation and was not ours antecedently thereunto. Number two, the imputation of works, of what sort soever they be, of faith itself as a work. And all the obedience of faith is ex justitia and not ex gratia of right, and not of grace. However, the bestowing of faith on us, and the working of obedience in us, may be of grace, yet the imputation of them unto us, as in us, and as ours, is an act of justice. For this imputation, as was showed, is nothing but a judgment, that such and such things are in us, or are ours, which truly and really are so, with a treating of us according unto them. This is an act of justice, as it appears in the description given of that imputation. But the imputation of righteousness mentioned by the Apostle is as unto us ex mora gratia, of mere grace, as he fully declares. Dorain, te, cariti, autu. And, moreover, he declared that these two sorts of imputation are inconsistent and not capable of any composition, so that anything should be partly of the one and partly of the other. Romans chapter 11, verse 6. If by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. For instance, if faith itself is a work of ours to be imputed unto us, it being ours antecedently unto that imputation, it is but an acknowledgement of it to be in us and ours, with an ascription of it unto us for what it is. For the ascription of anything unto us for what it is not, is not imputation, but mistake. But this is an imputation ex justitia of works, and so that which is of mere grace can have no place by the Apostle's rule. So the imputation unto us of what is in us is exclusive of grace in the Apostle's sense. And on the other hand, if the righteousness of Christ be imputed unto us, it must be ex moria gratia of mere grace. For that is imputed unto us, 
which was not ours antecedently unto that imputation, and so is communicated unto us thereby. And here is no place for works, nor for any pretense of them. In the one way, the foundation of imputation is in ourselves. In the other, it is in another, which are irreconcilable. Number three, herein both these kinds of imputation do agree, namely, in that whatever is imputed unto us, it is imputed for what it is, and not for what it is not. If it be a perfect righteousness that is imputed unto us, so it is esteemed and judged to be. And accordingly are we to be dealt with all, even as those who have a perfect righteousness. And if that which is imputed as righteousness unto us be imperfect, or imperfectly so, then as such must it be judged when it is imputed. And we must be dealt with all as those which have such an imperfect righteousness, and no otherwise. And therefore, Whereas our inerrant righteousness is imperfect, they are to be pitied or despised, not to be contended with all that are otherwise minded. If that be imputed unto us, we cannot be accepted on the account thereof as perfectly righteous, without an error in judgment. Number four. Hence, the true nature of that imputation which we plead for which so many cannot or will not understand, is manifest, and that both negatively and positively. For, parentheses number one, negatively, first, it is not a judging or esteeming of them to be righteous who truly and really are not so. Such a judgment is not reducibly unto any of the grounds of imputation before mentioned. It has the nature of that which is ex injuria, or a false charge, only it differs materially from it. For that respects evil, this that which is good. And therefore the clamors of the Papists and others are mere effects of ignorance or malice, wherein they cry out ad verum, till they be hoarse, that we affirm God to esteem them to be righteous who are wicked, sinful and polluted, but this falls heavily on them who maintain that we are justified before God by our own inerrant righteousness. For then a man is judged righteous, who indeed is not so. For he who is not perfectly righteous cannot be righteous in the sight of God unto justification. Secondly, it is not a naked pronunciation or declaration of anyone to be righteous without a just and sufficient foundation for the judgment of God declared therein. God declares no man to be righteous, but him who is so. The whole question being how he comes to be. Thirdly, it is not the transmission or transfusion of the righteousness of another into them that are to be justified, that they should become perfectly and inerrantly righteous thereby. For it is impossible that the righteousness of one should be transferred into another to become his subjectively and inerrantly. But it is a great mistake, on the other hand, to say that therefore the righteousness of one can no way be made righteousness of another, which is to deny all imputation. Wherefore, parentheses number two, positively, 
This imputation is an act of God, ex mora gratia, of his mere love and grace, whereby on the consideration of the mediation of Christ, he makes an effectual grant and donation of a true, real, perfect righteousness, even that of Christ himself, unto all that do believe, and accounting it as theirs on his own gracious act, both absolves them from sin and grants them right and title unto eternal life. Hence, number five, in this imputation, the thing itself is first imputed unto us, and not any of the effects of it, but they are made ours by virtue of that imputation. To say that the righteousness of Christ, that is, his obedience and sufferings, are imputed unto us only as unto their effects, is to say that we have the benefit of them and no more. But imputation itself is denied. So say the Sassinians, but they know well enough and ingenuously grant that they overthrow all true, real imputation thereby. Non-English words. And it is not pleasing to see some among ourselves with so great confidence take up the sense and the words of these men and their disputations against the Protestant doctrine in this cause, that is, the doctrine of the Church of England, that the righteousness of Christ is imputed unto us as unto its effects, has this sound sense in it, namely, that the effects of it are made ours by reason of that imputation. It is so imputed, so reckoned unto us of God, as that he really communicates all the effects of it unto us. But, to say the righteousness of Christ is not imputed unto us, only its effects are so, is really to overthrow all imputation. For, as we shall see, the effects of the righteousness of Christ cannot be said properly to be imputed unto us. And if his righteousness itself be not so, Imputation has no place herein, nor can it be understood why the Apostle should so frequently assert it as he does. Romans chapter 4. And therefore, the Socinians, who expressly oppose the imputation of the righteousness of Christ and plead for a participation in its effects or benefits only, do wisely deny any such kind of righteousness of Christ, namely, of satisfaction in merit or that the righteousness of Christ, as wrought by him, was either satisfactory or meritorious, as alone may be imputed unto us. For it will readily be granted that what alone they allow the righteousness of Christ to consist in cannot be imputed unto us, whatever benefit we may have by it. But I do not understand how those who grant the righteousness of Christ to consist principally in his satisfaction for us, or in our stead, can conceive of an imputation of the effects thereof unto us, without an imputation of the thing itself, seeing it is for that, as made ours, that we partake of the benefits of it. But, from the description of imputation and the instances of it, it appears that there can be no imputation of anything unless the thing itself be imputed, nor any participation of the effects of anything but what is grounded on the imputation of the thing itself. Wherefore, in our particular case, 
no imputation of the righteousness of Christ is allowed unless we grant itself to be imputed. Nor can we have any participation of the effects of it, but on the supposition and foundation of that imputation. The impertinent cavils that some of the late have collected from the Papists and Socinians, that if it be so, then we are righteous as Christ himself, that we have redeemed the world and satisfied for the sins of others, that the pardon of sin is impossible, and personal righteousness needless, shall afterwards be spoken unto, so far as they deserve. All that we aim to demonstrate is only that either the righteousness of Christ itself is imputed unto us, or there is no imputation in the matter of our justification, which, whether there be so or no, is another question, afterward to be spoken unto. For, as was said, the effects of the righteousness of Christ cannot be said properly to be imputed unto us. For instance, pardon of sin is a great effect of the righteousness of Christ. Our sins are pardoned on the account thereof. God, for Christ's sakes, forgives all our sins, but the pardon of sin cannot be said to be imputed unto us, nor is so. Adoption, justification, peace with God, all grace and glory are effects of the righteousness of Christ, but that these things are not imputed unto us, nor can be so, is evident from their nature. But we are made partakers of them upon all the account of the imputation of the righteousness of Christ unto us, and no otherwise. Thus, much may suffice to be spoken of the nature of imputation of the righteousness of Christ, the grounds, reasons, and causes whereof we shall in the next place inquire into. And I doubt not, but we shall find in our inquiry that it is no such figment as some ignorant of these things do imagine. But, on the contrary, an important truth immixed in the most fundamental principles of the mystery of the gospel and inseparable from the grace of God in Christ Jesus. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts are on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-460-1096 or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, AB, Canada, T6L3T5. If you do not have a web connection, please request a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add at swrb.com or swrb at swrb.com with the word add in the subject line. SWRB's email list is a double opt-in list, 
So once you've sent us your email address, you will be asked by email to confirm that you want to join our list using the email address you have supplied. Your email information will be kept confidential, and you can easily remove yourself from our email list by simply emailing us at swrb at swrb.com with the word remove in the subject line. Once you are on our email list, you will be alerted to all the free Reformation resources, free MP3s, free electronic books and texts, etc., that SWRB makes available on the web, as well as, at times, to our best discounts and super specials. We also encourage you to reproduce this audio resource and to pass it on to your friends. But we only authorize this as long as the full contents of the message including the header and trailer, is not altered in any way, and as long as the audio file or cassette is given away for free. Thank you again for listening to this SWRB reading. And remember that Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 states, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 concludes, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you.